just such a warm welcome here. This is fantastic, isn't it, Carol? It is indeed. Ah, except that I think I want to just tell you a little story because we've been um, highly loved, highly appreciated, highly exalted, um, way beyond my comfort zone. <laughs> And so I want to tell you a little story, this little donkey story. And this little donkey goes into Jerusalem every single day. And this one day, this little donkey came home, and his little chest was about as puffed up as you could possibly imagine. And he goes strutting around the barn just like he owns the world. And so his mother said to him, what on earth happened to you today? You went, like normal, into Jerusalem. But who do you think you are? And he said, well, I am very special. He said, today when I went into Jerusalem, he said, there were all these people lined up along the road. Not only were they lined up along the road, but they had their robes and they took them off and they laid them down on the road. And I got to walk on these nice soft robes. And he said, not only that, he said, they had palm branches in their hands. And when I walked by, they said, Hosanna, Hosanna to the king. Whoa, am I ever special. And his mom looked at him and said, Honey, I hate to burst your balloon, but it wasn't you they were exalting. It was the one that you were carrying. And you see, we can all be that little donkey carrying the presence of the king. And so I call you forth tonight. Ah. It doesn't matter whether you're old, skinny, overweight, medium, Young, really young, it doesn't matter. I call you to carry the presence of the King into wherever you are. And you see, that's just what John and I do. We're just two ordinary, broken pieces in life that love his presence, that love to watch what he does, to see the brokenhearted healed, to see the physical ah, hurting healed, to see people fall more in love with Jesus than they've ever been before. But we're still two just broken pieces. But we still love carrying his presence. So I 
challenge you, I encourage you to come and carry his presence wherever you go. Ask him, who do I talk to? Who can I pray for? People are so open now. It's astounding. I pray, I pray for the, the um, airline stewardesses on the airplane. I've had three in the last little while except Jesus. And the ones that I've prayed for um, that haven't accepted Jesus, some of them have gotten healed and the other ones have gotten royally blessed. You know? Stand in a line in the store. I mean, our grandson, can I tell that story? He, they, they do a spirit cafe, so they, they minister to the totally unchurched and the totally unsaved. And using New Age language, the, the New Agers come in to see. But anyway, our grandson has is, is been really into this. And so he's been listening for the voice of the Lord. So he's in, in, in Sainsbury's, I think. And, and the Lord spoke to him and he said, I want you to buy. Wow. That, that person in front of you, go up to that particular counter and I want you to buy them their groceries or her their, their groceries. So Jamie walks up and, and he kind of is thinking, oh God, I wonder how much it is. How much money do I have with me? And, and he's kind of nervous and he's kind of looking over her shoulder to see how much roughly he is going to have to put out. But he's going to do it. And he looked over and, and she had, what, a six pack of beer? That's all she had on the counter. And he said, Lord, am I to buy her the six pack of beer? And the Lord said, yes. So he talked to her and he bought her the beer. He said, well, you can't buy me the beer. You know, no, no, and no, 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 no. And anyway, so long, you know, he bought the beer. And, and when he finished taking his groceries through, and she was waiting for him outside, and she said, why did you ever buy me that beer? I'm an alcoholic. She said, why would you buy me that beer? He said, because your heavenly father loves you. And he wanted you to know he loves you even in spite of your alcoholism. Ah, and he wants to know, can I pray for you? What would you like? And she quickly put her beer down on the ground. She said, I can't have you pray for me while I'm holding the beer. And she said, I want to be set free from my alcoholism. Come on. Come on. People are so ready. We just have to ask the Lord and swallow that lump and that silence, that voice that, you know, like can you imagine what he would have to silence buying six-pack of beer? God, are you sure? Right? But the fish are in, are ready. They just need 
you to carry his presence and love them and tell them about the good news. So we are excited to be back here. It, again, we've been talking. It, I cannot believe it's been as long as it has. I don't know where the years have gone. I said to Sue, I said, my God, she told me how old Simeon was. I went, what? You have got to be kidding me. But it feels like home. We have always felt very loved and very welcomed and, and um, here in Bath and Bath. <laughs> and so we're really we're loving being back. We're loving walking through your city. We're loving re-getting co- acquainted with a few people that we, that we do know. And we are looking forward uh, in the future to getting to know more of you. And we are definitely going to be praying because I think you're on the verge. I think you're just about on the verge. Ah, And uh, I think you're just ready to fall in to what God has. And may you have the strength and the stamina and the ah, ability, young people, to listen to others that have gone before you, to let them help you excel in what God has called you to do. Use their wisdom and run. Ah, there's safety in the gray hairs that are behind you and pushing you and encouraging you. Ah, because the gray hairs would run as fast as you could if they still could. They would outrun you, I guarantee you. So that is a challenge. But go for it. Because the time is now. And Jesus is coming back. And he is coming back for a bride that loves him. Ah, the bride that carries the king in her heart and has only one love. And that is Jesus. So we are thrilled, honored, delighted, over the moon about being here. Oh, very good, Carolyn. Very good. Thank you. Thank you for that, sweetie. You know, there, when you come into an Anglican church, Tim, there's a danger of being a little too well-behaved or something, a little too proper, you know. Why don't you just nudge the person beside you and say, for goodness sake, lighten up. We're going to have some fun tonight in the Holy Spirit. <laughs> It could get all over Carol, too. She grew up Lutheran, you know, so similar type thing. But, uh, you know, the, the joy of the Lord is our strength. And uh, I want to I talk to us tonight about the, the fountain within. But uh, no, be, before, we, before we get to that... Um, I just I just wanted to remind us all of the of our footing in the kingdom. I mean the the words to the songs tonight were just really resonating in my heart and in my spirit. But 
that one line, forever I am changed by your blood. Wow, what a line. Mm -hmm. And you know, there there are many people who are like, well, what is this all about the blood? I mean, why the emphasis? It's a bit gory, actually. And, you know, um, why why do they sing like that? Maybe some of this is new to you. And, and see, the gospel is this, where God, the Father, the perfect one, he intends on remaining perfect. Is that okay? How many are thankful God's perfect in every way? And the, but the implications of that are not necessarily good for people that are in rebellion and in trouble and in sin, which includes us all. Right? Does that include you? Put your hand up. Kind of shame. Okay. So, the sacrifice is all through the Scriptures. Uh, animal sacrifice pointing symbolically to the day that the Son of God will come and give His life for your life and for mine. And he pays a debt that is not his own so that you and I can go free. And I've shared that with people. I remember going into high school in Canada, sharing some of these things. And one kid shouts out, that's not fair that one person should die for another person. But actually, that's the sort of thing love will do. Uh, I like to tell the story of the young man that robbed a bank and he was arrested finally and it all went to court. The evidence was heard and the judge uh, said, young man, we find you guilty as charged. And so I sentence you to five years in prison or you will pay a fine of a hundred thousand pounds. Well, of course, he said, I don't have any money. Uh, But I stopped there at one time sharing it with our school of ministry in Toronto, you know, the young people. And uh, and on other times, the classes of a shorter school with, with adults. And I say this, how many agree with the judge? Five years or 100,000 pounds. And I could ask you tonight, how many agree with the judge? So you get to participate. You get to put your hand up or not. Robbed a bank, five years, 100,000 pounds. How many agree with the judge? How many disagree with the judge? I mean, come on, you know. How many don't know what to think now? I mean, I came to listen, not to play, you know. (laughs) Well, in this class, there were some of them that were quite outspoken. No, I totally disagree. I need to know who is that boy? Like, what caused this and what caused that? We're not about to ruin his life because of, you know, um, a few mistakes when he's young and so on. And so, in order to get in touch with, with, um, with proper justice, I had to keep increasing the, uh, 
the circumstances of the scenario. And I finally got to the place where I'm like, okay, this young guy robbed the bank, but he also raped 15 women and knifed many of them, and two of them died. But he was caught. It all went to court, and the evidence was heard. And the judge said, young man, I find you guilty as charged, and I sentence you to five years in prison, or else you will pay a fine of 100,000 pounds. All of a sudden, uh, it was a different story. There's outrage in the room. No way. Is he going to get off that easy? And so I was like, finally, you got in touch with your sense of what's fair and just and right. See, a bank is too impersonal for people anymore. Oh, they got insurance. Oh, they got lots of money whatever. But see, for the perfect one, he can't just blow it off. You've done this, 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 and this, and it. At the end of your life, if it's not settled, you owe a debt that will be required. Do you see the logic of it? So here's the dilemma. The God of perfect love is having to bring his perfect justice to deal with all the injustice. And so he comes up with the plan that... His wonderful, beautiful Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, God the Son, will come willingly and lovingly and pay the debt for every man, woman, and child who says, I want Him as my Savior. And so the cross, you see, I think it's only understood in a shallow way by many, many Christians. They don't know how absolutely essential it is that something be done about your sin. Because, see, at the end of your life, you will face the perfect one. Who's perfect love but perfect justice, and he lets nothing slide. He can't. Can he? And so we, we read, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever would simply believe in him would never perish but have eternal life. And so this is the gift of God. The Lord Jesus Christ dying for you, paying your debt because he loved you. So that now you and I have a, an opportunity to, to have our debt canceled and our sins forgiven so that we can be restored. He's totally into recycling every one of us. It's amazing, isn't it? And you may be here tonight and you've never settled the issue. And I, I don't want you to go out you know, ambiguous about these things. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll read a, a scripture here. Let's go to the Gospel of John. John 3.16 that I read, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever 
believes in him, notice, nothing to do except believe. That's what gets you started. It's not works-based. It's not like, okay, go home, turn over a new leaf, uh, be good, don't sin for a whole week, and we'll see how you're doing and then maybe reconsider. That's not the deal. Believe in him. Whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. For he who believes in him is not condemned. Tell that to your friend. He who believes in Jesus is not condemned. Tell them louder than that. This is a friendly place, you know. You can... Hey, if you believe in him, you're not condemned. Yeah. But, say but, he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation. This is the basis for the condemnation. That light came into the world and men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. I want to ask you tonight, do you love the darkness or do you love the light? Here's an offer that you cannot afford to miss. Jesus Christ, in fulfillment to about 600 various Old Testament prophecies, came into the world, showed us what the Father's like, lived this amazing life, did miracles, and taught amazing things, and then went to the cross intentionally to become the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And he did it for you because it was absolutely essential that something be done about your sins. Because we found ourselves behind the eight ball. Do you guys use that expression here? Um, Euchre, do you use that expression? Uh, no. Uh, so this One is a snooker game, the other is like a card game. Uh, you, you're, you're defeated. Um, checkmate, Ed. And, and so here he comes now, and what does he cry out? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And he dies in our place and sheds his blood as a testimony. And the book of Hebrews says the blood of Jesus cries better things than the blood of Abel. Because the blood of Abel was crying for revenge, for justice. But the blood of Jesus is crying for mercy. And see, the whole thing about the blood is, is that it's, uh, when blood is present it, like that, it testifies to the fact that somebody died. Life was taken. The life blood poured out and shows to all of heaven that the innocent died instead of the guilty. So the guilty had a legal basis for forgiveness because the debt was paid. Isn't that the best news you ever heard? So you don't have to be smart to figure it out. You don't have to be rich to buy your way in. You, you, you don't have to be connected with just all the right people to get in on a good thing. This is whosoever will. But here's the price tag. You humble yourself.
and admit, you know what, I'm, I'm really guilty as charged. And I'm sorry about what I've done, and I can't change the past, but if Jesus will pay my debt, I want to live for Him. And I want Him to come into my heart. And as He does that, oh my goodness, the blessing and the benefits just just got started because it's over-the-top fantastic. So let's stand for a moment, all of us. Lord, if there are any here who have been sitting on the fence or unsure about these Christian things and Christian teaching and whatever, and they've been holding back. Maybe they once knew you, but they've wandered away. Maybe they've never really known you and are just checking it out. Friends, I want you to know, he who believes in the Son has everlasting life as a free gift. He who does not believe is condemned already. You're already under a death sentence. Hell is real, by the way, no matter what they tell you. The Word of God makes it absolutely clear. This is for those who have been made righteous through the sacrifice of the Son of God. So I want to ask you, you know, you, if you uh, need to come on back home to Him, this would be a wonderful time to do that. A very safe, friendly place to get right with God and make your peace with God. If, if you've never received Him as your Savior, your Rescuer, the one who pays your debt and sets you free, there's none like Him. You see, Jesus has to be who He claimed to be. He is God the Son. He can't just be a good teacher because the life of a good teacher is only perhaps worth the life of one other human being. Maybe He could die for one at the most, and that would be it. He can't just be an angel, like some would say. So I don't know what an angel's worth. Maybe two of us or five of us or ten of us or a hundred of us. I don't know. But this one, God the Son, is worth all of us put together. His life has more value than the entire human race, past, present, future. And He died for you to pay your debt. Are you going to invite him in? It'll be the smartest decision you ever made in your whole life. I'll never forget when I surrendered. Years ago, my mother dragged me to a Billy Graham meeting. And I went reluctantly just because if you know what's good for you, when she asks you to do certain things like that, all right, I'll go. But then she wanted to go back again the next day. And I'm like, Rrr. I made it through the first night fine. But the second night, I really got under conviction. I knew I was guilty and I knew I was wrong. But I was determined I wasn't going to embarrass myself and go up to the front like all the others. 
So I'm holding on to the back of the chair for dear life. And I'm saying under my breath, I am not going up there. And my grandfather, bless him, he leaned over to me and he said this. He said, John, if you're not sure, you better go. (laughs) Ah, it just cut through my stubbornness, you know, and I ran down to the front. I think I was the last guy there. Knocked over a bunch of chairs on the way and everything else. But Jesus Christ came into my heart and my sins fell off and I... I was washed and set free. And I'm telling you, the next day, the sky was bluer. The grass was greener. Every human being I met was just a wonderful person. It was like, wow. Incredible. If you're here tonight and you need to make that decision, I want you to just, in the quietness of your own heart, tell Him, Lord Jesus, I need a Savior. I really do. I need you. Just admit it. See, that's where it begins. It begins with you getting honest with God. Just admit it to Him. I need a Savior. I need you in my heart. I'm talking to people who have not really made this yet, or maybe you once did, but you've fallen away. Now, if you just told him that, Lord Jesus, I need you to be my Savior, I'd like you unashamedly to hold your hand up high and say, I just told him that. I just told him I needed. Is there anyone here? Just, and please don't be embarrassed by this. Just unashamedly tell him, God bless you and you and you and you. Because, see, it's, It's the most important decision that you'll ever make in your whole life. And you're in a very friendly place. They'll all be happy for you. Because they've all done the same thing. Go through the agony of owning up to that which is wrong in their heart. I'd like you to turn to the person near you, behind you, beside you, in front of you, whatever. And say, should you have put your hand up as well? Just ask, and you know. All right. Here's what I here's what I'd like you to do. Those of you who courageously put your own hands up, wave at me one more time. God bless you. I would like to ask you now to step out into the nearest aisle and come down to the front so I can congratulate you and meet you and pray with you. Just just a short little prayer. So please come right now, quickly. Come on. Welcome them home. God bless you, man. God bless you. Come on, come on. Come on, come on, man. Now, there's a whole bunch more that had their hands up. And if you had your hand up, uh, just, just, just come and join these, these guys. Turn around and face me. 
That's right. You don't have to look at them if you don't want to. No, that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> but, uh... You see, God bless you, sweetie. Jesus Christ did not die on the cross because it would make a great movie. He did it because it was absolutely necessary for your eternity. And of course, he didn't stay dead. That wouldn't have been just either, would it? He rose again. And he's king of kings and lord of lords. And so, um, I want to encourage the rest of you to step out. See, the reason I didn't want to step out was because my cousin was there. And my mother was there. She's kind of glaring at me, knowing I needed to get up there. You know, it's like... What, 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 what other people think... Can, can stand in the way. But I'm telling you, it's, it's a decision. And there was a whole bunch more hands up, and I just feel like I need to wait for one or two more of you. Would that be okay? So uh, speak to them again and say, hey, should you be up at the front with these others? Just bring them up if, if you're with your friend. Come on. But well done to you and you and you. All right, so we're not going to belabor this, but, you know, surrendering to Jesus is the most important decision in life ever. And it's a decision you'll never regret. I'd like us all to pray this together, could we? Uh, You pray it as a prayer of remembrance. You guys pray it as a, uh, you know, from the heart, meaning every word of it. Just a little prayer saying, Lord, I'm sorry for what I've done wrong. Please forgive me, come into my heart, that kind of thing. Are you ready? Here we go. Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you tonight. I admit that I have sinned. I'm truly guilty. I owe you a great debt. I have no way to repay you. But I believe you died on the cross for me. You shed your blood for me. You lovingly gave your life for my life. Thank you for dying for me. I open my heart to you. Come into my heart right now. Wash me clean from all my sins. Thank you for forgiving me. From today on, I'm a Christian, a follower of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, Lord. And Father, I, I bless these that have come out right now in Jesus' name. I ask you to come and fill them with your love and your acceptance, and your forgiveness. Let your mercy be mighty upon them, and let the power of the Holy Spirit come upon them. You died for them, and you rose from the dead for them also. Let your mighty presence fill them now. Let your glory come on them.
Lord, let them have the best night's sleep they've had in months. And let them feel that great love of God. And may they be welcomed into your family, your global family, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, congratulations to the three of you. And I, I just want you to know <laughs> that you've just joined you've just joined a global family that's over one billion strong, all right? There's a billion of us, many different names, denominations, etc. but they all love Jesus because he's forgiven them. All right? Give them a hand and give them a good welcome here. Yes. I want to talk to you tonight about the fountain within. And why this is important is because I believe that we're in a Kairos time on earth when uh, everything that can be shaken is being shaken. And the book of Hebrews in chapter 12 says, only that which cannot be shaken will remain. And, uh, you know, there's lots of young people here. And, and so this is really, really good because most of us got started when we were in our 20s, really serious about the things of God. And, um, and so in this period of time that we're in, when people are wondering, wow, what's going to happen here and there? I mean, when you think of the things like with Brexit going on, and what are the implications of all that? Is it, is it going to be good? Is it going to be bad? Like, what's going to happen? The American election that's pending. I mean, you know, it's all just a, like a circus almost. It's incredible, like all of that. And then the war in the Middle East and all the refugees and all the terrorists and all the threats and everything that, and the economy. And, you know, if, you, if you're a worrier, there's plenty to worry about. Right? But see, it's all coming to a boil. It's all coming to, to a head here. And, and we need to know that God also is getting ready to do something very mighty and very powerful because it really winds up with the return of the Lord Jesus as He comes and establishes his literal kingdom on this planet for a season. How many are excited about that, by the way? Don't you, isn't there something in you that longs for uh, a place of peace and rest and, and honesty and justice and all of that? So, well, as you and I are in this, what might be the final act of Christian faith on earth, we need to know the provision that he has made for us so that Christ within is not just a concept or a theory or um, even a reality, that, but it doesn't, doesn't affect anything. It has tremendous effect because when he rose from this planet, 
he soon sent the Holy Spirit to be with us. And this Holy Spirit is the one who lives uh, with you and within you. And, and so this is a tremendous, tremendous thing. And so how many are thankful that they know about the Holy Spirit now? See, Christianity uh, has a Trinitarian God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And they're so in love with each other. They're essentially one. And you're invited to be a part of that. But, but they, or God himself, wants to live in you and empower you to become Christ-like on the one hand and a flaming witness on the other. So I want us to just, just consider a few things. Matthew chapter 3, verse 11 uh, is in the words of John the Baptist. He, he tells us the promise. Uh, I indeed baptize you with water, but the one coming after me is mightier than I, it says. I'm not worthy to even undo his shoes. He is going to baptize you, immerse you in the Holy Spirit and in fire. How many are think they might like that. Holy Spirit and fire. Wow. Now, see, the word baptized uh, is an untranslated Greek word. And and it's used as one of the sacraments of baptism and so forth. But the word actually means to be immersed. I mean, I don't know how that goes over, preaching immersion in an Anglican church, but I guess it's okay. Yeah, so this is not a cheap shot against the Anglicans or anybody. I'm just saying, we're talking about here being immersed in water. That's one thing. But being immersed in the Holy Spirit, wow, that's quite another thing. Just whisper to your friend, I want to be re-immersed in the Holy Spirit. I would love to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And you know, we... We were talking about with uh, with a friend today over lunch about he's asking me what about those blood moons and everything else. So I told him what I thought about it all and and this and that and and it was like every time that they went off as a sign there there was there and and there was a war in the Middle East but there was also revival happening and in the 60s we had the charismatic revival spreading everywhere. And people were finding out about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And what it meant was, hey, there's, a, there's another work of grace where you can receive the Holy Spirit and you'll speak in other tongues, other languages, and it'll be tremendous and it empowers you. And so we, we were all wanting that and praying and waiting and all of that for God to fill us with the Holy Spirit. But I don't think we went deep enough with it. It was kind of like, wow, well, I got it. And so, what's, what's next? Well, just carry on living your Christian life, I think. But we need, to, we need to have another look at this thing and realize that we are talking about being immersed in God, the Holy Spirit, and in fire. Now, I know what it would be like, I think, to be immersed in fire. I think you'd feel something. 
What do you think? And so when you're immersed in the Holy Spirit, this, this is quite a deal. God, the Holy Spirit, wants to immerse you. Now let's go to John chapter 4. Um, John chapter 4 is a wonderful story of Jesus meeting a Samaritan woman. So, let's see, very quickly. Chapter 4, verse 3. He left Judea and departed again to Galilee, but he needed to go through Samaria. Now, just if, if you're not up on the history there, the, the, the wars and the conquering of the land of Israel and so on, the Babylonians and the Assyrians had moved in some of their people into what was Israel and deported a lot of the Jewish and Israelis. And so those people eventually took on board much of the Jewish faith, but they weren't Jewish people. And so they weren't appreciated, let's say. They were despised, let's say. And he's saying, I need to go through Samaria to these Samaritans. Okay. He came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the place, a plot of the ground Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour, that is, twelve noon. And a woman of Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. And it's, it's interesting how Jesus answers questions many times. It's a fascinating study in Scripture. But he, he doesn't really answer that. He gives a different answer and he says to her, If you knew two things. Number one, if you knew the gift of God. And number two, and who it is who says to you, give me a drink. You would have asked him and he would have given you living water. That's amazing. Do you know those two things tonight? Do you know the gift of God? And do you know the one who's saying, give me a drink and... Therefore, you can ask him, and he would give you living water. So this, this woman's bewildered now. And she, she looks at him, and she kind of goes, what? Sir, you have nothing to draw with. And the well's deep. Where then do you get that living water? Now, I, I like to get into the Bible story and just sort of, What's the expression on her face? Like we know, um, as we keep reading, she's a little bit dodgy in character. So she's, she's a bit streetwise. She's been around the block a few times. And so she could have been dead serious, like, where are you going to get that living water? Or she might have been a little flippant, you know, like, oh, yeah, well, where are you going to get that 
living water. You don't even have a bucket to draw with. What's going on? This Jewish guy, he's talking to me here. Is he, is he hitting on me? Or like, what's going on? And he keeps talking to her, though. Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? And Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. And I think she's still a little flippant at this point. He's like, oh yeah, well, hey, give me that water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. So Jesus cuts to the chase with a prophetic word. Go call your husband. I don't have a husband. You're honest and you're right in what you said. You don't have a husband because you've had five husbands and the guy you're with right now is not legally your husband. So... Well done for being truthful. She's like, she dropped her bucket at that point. And, and, and says, are you, you're a prophet. And, and she wants to know this and that and the other. And uh, verse 21, woman, believe me. The hour is coming when you'll neither worship in, this, in Jerusalem or, uh, nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know, what we worship uh, who we know for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming and now is when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. And the woman says, well, I know that Messiah is coming, who's called Christ in Greek. When He comes, He will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak unto you am he. That to me is amazing. Do you know, he never told anybody that straight out. He never even told the disciples that. And when Peter came out with it, he was like, well done, Peter. You didn't come up with that. That was revealed to you from heaven. But here, to this Samaritan woman... He says to her, I who speak unto you am he. So, back to the point. If you knew the gift of God, and if you knew who's speaking to you right now, you'd forget about this water, and you'd ask him for living water that would become in you a spring and fountain bubbling up into everlasting life. And I want you to know tonight that if you ask Him, He'll give you the gift of God, which is to be absolutely filled with the Holy Spirit bubbling up out of your innermost being. Now, I read that passage you know, probably hundreds of times. And it always left me with a, with a little question until recently because I'd be like, well, Lord, I, I, I hear what you're saying. You'll never thirst again. But actually, I'm still thirsty. 
And we keep praying more, Lord. We want more. This is so good. We want more. Everybody heard the more prayer? Lean over to your friend and lay hands on them and say, more. Fire on you. Let it come. Let the living water come. But I never really uh, got a, a full revelation on it until just a few weeks ago. And I realized that, that uh, he's saying that he's going to put an artesian well on the inside of me so I don't have to go anywhere or go to anyone. I can just go to this source that's within me and drink from, from that any time that I'm thirsty. Are you thirsty for the Holy Spirit here? How many want revival? What's it going to look like when revival hits Bath? Again. I imagine you've had historical revivals here, have you? What's it look like when revival hits? It looks like tears. It looks like laughter. It looks like bodies all over the floor. It looks like happy families. It looks like joy. And, and it's just amazing what revival does. And it's, it's this contagious moving of God upon a group of people, a city, a town, a community, where they get caught up with the thing and, and suddenly everything falls into proper perspective. And they realize the importance of being born again, saying yes to Jesus. They realize the importance of having a relationship with him that's alive. And that's what we're looking for. That's what we want. Okay. Now, here's, here's my point. You are not ever going to have revival apart from the Holy Spirit. So, you might just as well settle that one. If you, want, if you want revival, he must be part of the deal. So preaching alone is not going to do it. Good teaching alone is not going to do it. Great churches and all the programs and everything else and radio, TV and everything is not going to do it. We have to have a partnership happening with the Holy Spirit. And he wants to fill each and every one of us so full that you won't be able to contain it all. <sighs> Nudge the person next to you and say, he's telling you the truth right here. He says, <laughs> oh. Let's go to John chapter 7 together. John 7, verse 37. On the last day, that great day of the feast. This is most likely the Feast of Tabernacles. It's in Jerusalem. Jesus is in the temple area. He stood and he cried out in a loud voice. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, 
out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, who those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified, not yet crucified, not just resurrected and ascended and glorified. So he's telling them this before it actually is activated. But he's really saying the same thing as he said to the Samaritan woman, isn't he? If anyone is thirsty, come unto me and drink. But it's this living water stuff that you're going to drink. And as you drink that, you don't just get a drink and then you're thirsty again. You, you actually are given a river within you. This is amazing, isn't it? I mean, this is him talking. How many think he's just really exaggerating here? Well, I never got a river. I got a, like a little, little shot, maybe. And that was. <laughs> he wants to. He wants you to have a river. And see, rivers are, rivers are very interesting. Um, I remember years ago. Carol and I took our youth group from our Stratford church to the Ottawa River to go whitewater rafting with these young people. And so we had a great weekend with them. We're camping out, and you know how kids are. We woke up in the morning with our tent floating down over top of us, and (laughs) oh, great. They just, you know, pulled all the tent pins. And Anyway, we, we got on this river in a raft. And to look at it from afar, you think, oh, yeah, that's, it looks like that'll be fun. It looks like that's going to be great. But it was, I think they're a category four rapids or something. And, uh, you know, almost a five. But they were really, really high water raging when we went. There had been a lot of rains. And so we, we get in this uh, raft, right? And we all have paddles. Of course, we all got life jackets on and everything. And we head into this rapids. And there's their guide at the back trying to steer them and all this. I think you did it as well, Jenny, didn't you? Yeah. And anyway, over, over we go. Well, some, one of them got thrown out. Uh, and so they're floating down the rapids. And it, it was a wild, wild ride. And, and you think, this is a raging river. Just so strong. And you put me in touch with the realities of a river. I mean, you think of rivers in England like they're, I don't know if you have raging rivers like that. I mean, every time I look at the Thames, it's sort of barely moving, you know. (laughs) Is that that right? I mean, anyway, I, I went... Um, I had a, an experience in New Zealand as well with it. And uh, I, was, I was in New Zealand and, and with, with some guys there in Wellington, New Zealand, and, and they were saying, John, you, you, you know, do you, one guy says, do you like fishing? I said, yeah, actually, I, but, but it's, it's catching that I like. He says, right, then you need to come over here in June 
when the fishing's on, and I mean, you're going to get tired of taking them off the hook. I said, really, Graham? He said, yep, we've got fish in this country. So I said, well, we'll just see. Well, wouldn't you know, it worked out that we had invitations and meetings in New Zealand right then when, when it was. So we had a couple of days to go with him. So he gets me all dressed up in these, in these waders. And uh, so I got waders up to here. And, you know, we're kind of going out in the river. And he's trying to teach me how to fly fish, you know. And, and so, right, what do you do? Well, you wade out into the river and you fly fish. And when you catch them, then, you know, you catch it, you take it off the hook, and you put it in your little basket. Right, okay. Well, I go in this river, and you know what? I get up to the ankles, and it's like, oh, my gosh, this, this river is really, really fast water. And he's like, come on in, you know. All right, well, you get a little deeper. You get up to your knees now. And I can really feel that water pushing me. And I'm thinking, I don't want to fall down in this thing because, number one, it will completely fill these waders. And I'll be swept downstream. And, and then number two is like, I don't want to ruin my iPhone because... I brought my phone along just in case I need to take a picture of a fish, you know. And so he's like, come on out. Well, I, I get up to about my waist and I'm braced like this and I'm thinking, this is not smart. You, you need to get out of this because you're asking for a disaster here. And I got in touch with what a river is really like when you wade into it. Now, I didn't fall down. We did, we did manage to get to shore. But you know what? We never saw so much as a fin of a fish, <laughs> let alone have a bite. Iceland was different. There were fish there. But, uh, but the thing was, I got in touch with the river. Can you imagine the river of God? I know people who are, are, have been standing in the anointing and they, they thought, one guy at first thought it was like a wind blowing on his legs and he, then he realized, no, this is a river that's rushing all around him. It's the river of God. Well, Jesus is saying, if anyone is thirsty, let him come unto me and drink. As you drink that, it becomes a river, like an artesian well within you, that every time that you are thirsty, you don't have to go anywhere except right here. So you take out your spiritual straws, plug it into your belly button, and have a good big drag right there, just... Why don't we stand up and try that? Let me do that. Now. now, this is not just imaginary, everybody. This is reality. We're talking about spiritual reality that you don't see with your natural eyes, but, but it's as every bit as real as what you see around you. He wants to place within you not just a drink, 
but a river of living water. And, um, you know, there's so many wonderful analogies for the Holy Spirit. There's fire. Why fire? Well, because it gets hot sometimes. It burns sometimes. And it's so very, very contagious. If he finds dry wood anywhere, he just light you on fire. And then there's oil. The oil is just so residual and it's, it's so smooth and soft and good for you and everything. He, he, the Holy Spirit's like oil. He's like rain. He's like the wind. He, he's, he's so many wonderful analogies. Like the river, like I said. Rain, river, oil, wind, water, fire. But now, this is this living water that's within you. And see, here's the secret. If you're discouraged, you need a good big drink of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because when you get filled up with Him, it changes your perspective. And you're not just dwelling on these three or four little things that are wrong in life. Well, I don't have any money. I don't have a job. I don't have a girlfriend. I don't have this. It takes your mind off that and puts it on where it belongs. You know, the, the, the certainty of heaven that's about to break forth into the whole earth. The Holy Spirit is the secret to the Christian life. And you know, Carol and I have been in this now for 22 and a half years. And there's a couple of things I would say about that. Don't ever be embarrassed by what the Holy Spirit does. If you're a leader... Don't try and keep him in the attic like a crazed relative that you can only bring out when there's safe people around who understand, you know. We want the Holy Spirit on display because He's so lovely, so fantastic. Ah. Holy Spirit, we're just so thrilled with what you do. You know, we've been to Bath before. I'm thinking of two really significant miracles that happened. One was a lady named Susie Thompson, who was an Anglican, by the way. And uh, I, I don't think she lives here anymore. We've, we've lost track of her. But anyway, she, she had been in a very serious car accident in Europe. And the car was just hanging over the cliff, ready to fall off. But, the, but a video camera in the back window had come like a projectile, hit her in the back of her head, and just damaged her. So she's really crippled up in, in basically in a wheelchair, but she could stagger a little bit. Broken ribs, broken this, broken that. She really should have died. Anyway, she came sort of staggering down the aisle in Bath City Church and uh, met the Holy Spirit in power. And God totally healed this woman. Do you remember that, Paul? Powerful, powerful healing. And uh, 
she just, like her husband couldn't believe it. Her children couldn't believe it. I mean, they got their mother back. She could talk. She can walk. She can cook breakfast. This is amazing. And then we had another one. Uh, her name is Chloe. And we, we were doing a Father Heart conference in the same Bath City Church. And it's interesting they came at all because she hated her father and any kind of father issue. She wanted nothing to do with it. And her husband um, didn't like charismatics at all. But how they got there, I don't know. But they came anyway and in to the... To the Message of forgiveness, she came down the aisle and wailed for about 40 minutes. And at the end of it, realized she was totally healed of this childhood arthritis that had crippled her so that she couldn't even walk upstairs at 27, 28 years of age. And completely healed, as it turned out, of epileptic seizures, 12 per day, and also being allergic to the medication. Lactose intolerance and a whole bunch of things. And it was the Holy Spirit who did that. And they were listening to the tape later, and she said to her husband, who's that poor person that's just screaming so loud and the whole time? And he says, sweetheart, that was you actually. Well, they now are pastors of our Catch the Fire Church in London that's exploding, and, and they got this great mission. Anyway, all that to say, what happened? The river of God flowed in and immersed them in His presence. What did it look like? It looked crazy. I mean, there was screaming, there was whatever going on. But we don't care about what it looks like so long as the fruit is good like that. Wouldn't you say? Now listen, we want revival, everybody. And we don't want the sanitized version where the, the account just says, and God moved in a wonderful way. No, you need to know that what they mean is people were screaming, people were yelling, people were falling on the floor, rolling around, uh, just burning up with, with fire on them. You know, the first time I saw somebody rolling was actually a pastor's conference in England here in, in 1994 when we were over. And this guy in a pastor's meeting is rolling on the floor back and forth. He was like a, like a video game. You know, he'd roll, hit the wall, boing, he'd roll back, boing. And I'd never seen that before. I'm thinking... Wow, there really are holy rollers. Look at that. I thought my mother was just making fun of, uh, you know, the Baptists have been known to make fun of the Pentecostals. And so I thought that was it. But no, no, there really are holy rollers. So I asked this guy, okay, so I noticed that you were rolling back and forth on the floor. <laughs> what was going on? Do you know what he said? I felt like I was on fire. Ah, well, now, if you're on fire, that makes a big difference, doesn't it? How many would probably roll if you were on fire, actually? See, we're not talking about uh, Holy Spirit light. 
Holy Spirit manageable. Holy Spirit on my terms. No, we're talking about full-on Holy Spirit on His terms, where He's the boss. Can we just let Him know tonight, hey, I want you on your terms, and I want you to come and do everything you want to do in my heart. Because we must have revival. If England and Europe and the world is going to survive, we have to have a mighty move of God the Holy Spirit, don't we? And then within you, He'll just put such a blazing passion. But it starts with this drink. If you knew the gift of God, you know the gift of God? You can read about it in Acts chapter 1. Jesus says, don't leave town. Wait for the promise of the Father, which you've heard from me. This promised Holy Spirit, man, He's worth the wait, I'm telling you. We, we absolutely love Him. I love what He does. I love how He does it. I, I just, just love it. And, you know, we've, we've had abundant manifestations. I love the manifestations as well. But it's not about manifestations, really. It's about the incredible fruit and difference he makes on the inside. But don't let manifestations bother you. We have a guy in our church who's originally from Denmark. His name is, is Shell, Kel. And... Uh, he fixes broken chairs in our church for us. He just started to do that. He offered to do that. And, and so I asked him at the 20th anniversary, Kel, about how many chairs do you reckon you fix for us? He said, oh, I have no idea. I said, well, give me a guess. He said, well, maybe 500. They say, how do you break 500 chairs? Well, I'll tell you what used to happen. People were sitting there, listening to just a normal message or whatever, and suddenly the Holy Spirit would hit them, and they would bounce way up in the air and come down, bang, hit the bottom of the chair, and, and sometimes break it. So now, that, you know, we got cheap enough chairs. A particle board, never, if you want revival, don't get particle board chairs. You can get like three-quarter inch plywood base, you know. Something that'll take it. But honestly, I've been in meetings where it's like popcorn going off. Just boom, 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 boom. People just, what, what happened? They get hit. Bang. And the Holy Spirit just causes them to, to react to it. And, and you just learn to love it because it's Him and He so knows what He's doing. There's one time in Australia where we had the Pentecostal superintendent from the district there. And he, he had been to Sunderland, and so he knew what it was. And he invited us, and we were there. But he brought along his wife, who had never been to any of these meetings. She's sitting on the front row, all dressed up to the nines, a beautiful suit. And, and she looked so sharp. Yeah, trousers. And, and so her eyes got wider and wider and wider. And she looked like, as we say, a deer caught in the headlights. 
And all of a sudden, she flew up in the air, did a complete somersault, and landed in an empty chair three rows back. And I'm in the middle of the preaching. You know, and I, I looked at Carol like, I mean, it was amazing. If you, if you asked her, why did you do that? I, which I didn't. She would have said, I don't know. I just got hit by the Holy Spirit. How many want to get immersed in the Holy Spirit? Baptized in the Holy Spirit? Uh, I'm not saying you're going to do weird, strange stuff. You may not. I, I generally don't. I have fallen down. I have laughed. I have gotten completely undone years ago by the Father's love, where I could do nothing but cry, and I mean sobbing, blubbering uncontrollably, like what's wrong with him kind of a situation. But... But some people are really, really sensitive to it. And that's good. I, I like it. Like It's kind of like starting a fire. You need kindling wood. Then you need bigger pieces. And then you need chunks to take you through the evening. You know? And uh, Christians are like that. Some are really, really sensitive. Carol used to be. I mean, she still is in a way. But it used to be if you, if you came near her and said, Holy Spirit, she'd be gone. She'd be down. Take out your wonderful Holy Ghost straw, plug it into your belly, and take a good big drink. He said you'll never thirst again. Well, why will you never thirst again? Well, it's because you carry around with you an inexhaustible supply of living water. There's a river in there. And if you're thirsty, it's your own fault. You just need to hook up and take a good big drink. How many are ready for another one? You ready? Holy Spirit straw. Put one in your mouth. Plug the other one into your belly. Now take a good big drink. Take another one. Take up, take one more. Oh, yeah. Rivers of living water. Eel will flow out of your innermost being. Holy Spirit, we don't need to run here and there so much to get someone to give us an impartation. I really believe in an impartation. But see, an impartation will last you three days, three months, three years maybe. But if you don't learn to drink, uh, it'll eventually use up. But if you learn to drink from that river that's within you, you will never thirst again.
What a promise. Come on, what a promise. One more time, everybody. Just hook it up into, into your innermost being. Just like Jesus said. Rivers of living water will flow out of you. This he spoke of the Spirit, it says in John 7. That those who believe in him would receive. Come on. Be a drinker, everybody. Begin to drink of him. Begin to eat of him. Begin to take on board that living water. Now, there's other analogies that we've used over the years, you know, like have a drink of the new wine, just hold your glass up to heaven, say, Lord, fill my cup. And then by faith, you take that new wine of the Spirit and you drink that down. And He comes and begins to fill you. Now, what's the point? Of you being filled. The point is, you become armed and dangerous for the kingdom. Say, Lord, I want more of that living water. I want more of you. Lord, I want you on my terms. I'm sorry, on your terms, not my terms. Let's get it right. I want you on your terms, Holy Spirit. And I want you to be unmanageable. Whereas I'm not the one in control. You are. Holy Spirit, this place is filled with wonderful, wonderful, godly people. I give you permission to drink of Him right now. Drink of that source, God, the Holy Spirit. If you knew the gift of God, and who it is that's making the offer, You would ask of Him and He'd give you living water that you would never thirst again. Wonderful Holy Spirit, I invite you to come right now. Come right now and begin to fill your people. Fill your people. Fill your people. With amazing rivers, Lord God, in Jesus' name. How many of you want more tonight? You really do. If you want prayer, and you want a good big drink and an impartation, I'm going to ask you to... Just to come on out of your seat and come on up and we'll...